Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have two very special guests returning. So I think it'll be our fourth show. Uh, they are Philip Darrell Collins and Paul David Collins Brothers. I've had them on in the past talking about their two excellent books, which have excellent reviews on Amazon. They are great books, very, very well researched. And they are The Ascendancy of the Scientific Dictatorship and Examination of Epistemic autocracy from the 19th to the 21st century that was one show and then we did invoking the beyond the kantian rift mythologized menaces and the quest for the new man and so they both have five-star reviews on amazon in the u.s so you can check those out but something came across to my attention he actually sent me a copy of it which is a new article it's something i'm interested in, in the title of the article if you're watching this on x or twitter or rockfin you'll see it's Deception Through Disclosure, Part 1, Decoding the Crush Enigma. We were talking in the pre-show that there is going to be a Part 2. But this is just uh, another article in their line of thinking, very well-researched and full of things that I'm interested in talking about. So I invited them on, and so we made it happen just two days before Christmas 2023. So we're going to kind of talk about this article. It's posted on the CanadianPatriot.org, so I'll put a link to the CanadianPatriot.org, which is run by Matthew Errett. I had on in the past, we just talked about a whole bunch of different subjects, can, Canadian history, etc. But uh, there's a lot he's doing. Uh, Arid is doing, I think, a, a like an eight part series on something that I'm interested in. Another theme, which is like occultism in the UFO community, not That's just right. intel, but like strange things. But we can talk about that too. So, Paul Absolutely. and Philip Collins, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you for having us back on. Yeah, thank you. Cool. So, for people who may not have heard our last couple shows. Can you guys kind of do a brief overview of kind of your work and what got you interested in looking into and decoding the Grush Enigma? Well, we began working on, you know, UFOs as, as with our book, um, Invoking the Beyond, we began to look at them because uh, because it's an it's one of the invocations of the beyond. Yes. And uh, it's it's one yeah. of these one of these um, threats that are cons uh, are periodically invoked by the oligarchical class. Yes. And the purpose of this invocation is to ontologically and epistemologically overwhelm national governments, suddenly uh, national governments and uh, representative forms of national government, in particular uh, constitutional republics, but parliaments, congresses, what have you. They are faced with an ontologically and epistemologically uh, overwhelming force. Uh, something that's uh, something of a surrogate for uh, the divine, a deific force conjured up by these the theoreticians and the technocrats uh, who uh, populate the uh, the deep state and populate uh, the uh, elite circles. And because the uh, nature of this threat, it, it over it's so overwhelming, and there's no there's no uh, epistemological frame of reference. There's no categories, ontological categories that can be uh, uh, referred to in order to understand them. Um, these uh, it allows the elite to insinuate themselves uh, into the decision making process. You know, presenting themselves as the experts, uh, the the technocrats, the people in possession of some socio political gnosis that will uh, allow them to uh, address the uh, threat. And um, in so doing, they circumvent uh, the democratic processes of national governments and enshrine a technocratic world state. And the UFO, uh, the UFO invocation of the beyond, that particular iteration of the beyond, it's the most fantastical of all of them, but it's also the one that we've seen uh, conjured up quite a bit in the popular uh media as of late it's it's been periodically invoked you know and with grush we believe that that's this is just the latest installment um and um with grush it seems to be about uh um, um basically um keeping alive um and uh, uh, this this militaristic trend that we saw in the united states that began with na the national security council paper 68 nsc 68 we wrote about that in another article called ufos and the ghost of paul nitzi 
Paul Nitze was one of the major architects of NSC 68. And um, what, what he did is he, he broke with Kennan on the doctrine of containment, George Kennan, who had come up with this doctrine of basically putting the, uh, the, the, the Eastern Bloc, the Soviet Union, into kind of a quarantine and, you know, um, basically, uh, you know, waiting while the, the communist world kind of burned itself out. And um, uh, what, Nitzi agreed that there should be a containment docu- doctrine and the implementation of containment. But where Nitzi broke pro- company with Kinnan is that he said, well, you need to have heavy militarism. You have to you have to go on this militaristic slide. You got to this defense expenditures have to go through the roof. You just you have to really, really spend the money and get out and, and you know, and just um, really uh, bloat the, uh, the the military bureaucracy, the yeah, military staff. Yeah, almost a modern iteration of the Prussian mentality. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, that worked during the Cold War because we had the Soviet menace there. When the Soviet menace went away, there was this need that, that you know, that the uh, threat inflationist among the elite had desired to keep NSC 68, the concepts of NSC 68 going. They wanted to continue with this militaristic trend that had begun with NSC 68. But how do you do it now when the major, this, this, the, the major enemy, the, the Soviet Imperium is gone? Well, there were several different things that they've they've tried over the years. The GWAT, the global war on terror, uh, certain uh, non-state players, certain uh, pariah nations, Iraq, you know, Afghanistan, those sorts of things. Um, uh, but you know, resuscitating Russophobia. Yeah, and and you know, periodically playing up the Chinese as as an adversary uh, on the world stage. Um, you know, these these kind of health have helped keep that militaristic trend going and all, but you know, it starts to, it's still running out of steam. And so what you, what you need is you need something from beyond the planet. And, you know, that seems to be what Grush seems to be doing, you know, by, uh, by presenting this in, he's presenting the, the whole UFO phenomenon in a national security context you know, saying, look, you know, these things, they, they, they uh, make parody, they either make parody or totally outstrip, totally outstrip, you know, our, our capabilities, the capabilities of, uh, of, of our defense establishment and all, thus creating the need to go on a, another, you know, uh, kind of uh, defense spending binge and all. Um, and, and, you know, we saw this last year, with the uh, congressional panel on UFOs, where um, you know you had uh, guys like uh, like the uh, recently censured uh, Schiff on there, you know yeah, Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff right. on there, and you know Schiff. What many people don't know is a is a major, you know, um, uh, well, uh, he's he's basically in the pockets of Raytheon, a major defense contractor, and also. Yeah, so you know, so Grush is kind of playing into that that whole idea of keeping the NSC sixty eight doctrine alive, but beyond that, he seems to be playing into um, into something a little bit larger, an overarching kind of uh, uh, plot or conspiracy, if you will, um, because um, if you look at the writings of Charles Upton, the perennialist Charles Upton, he talks about uh, a a, um, a a a strategy called the government cover-up ploy, and with the government co- government cover-up ploy, this has been used many times in the past. Um, you what what you would have is you would have the government pre- um, basically uh, going on this kind of um, the, this this kind of fake kind of cover-up kind of mission. Um, basically, you know, uh, inauthentic instances of obscurantism. Yeah. Suppress, you know, supposedly suppressing the whistleblowers and, and suppressing the truth tellers. And, um, and what this would do is this would 
you know, grow that that belief in 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 UFOs. And what we believe is that the government is well, the the deep state, if you will, is trying to move past that government cover-up ploy, and that Grush is part of that movement from the cover up, cover, government cover-up ploy to what is called the dis, what we call the disclosure phase. And in the disclosure phase, you have the government pretending to finally capitulate to all these demands of transparency and finally giving way to all the whistleblowers and all the truth tellers out there. Yeah. Grush seems to be part of that. Yeah. And Grush is really, really um, you know, uh, a really good tool as far as uh, uh, in this kind in in this installment of the UFO deception, because unlike in the past where you had some fringy individuals that they would work through, uh, Georgia Domsky or or Bob Lazar, you know, where you were where their their backgrounds, you know, really caused a Sketchy, lot. Of, yeah, Lazar Lazar's lying. By the way, I've, I've pretty much come to the conclusion. Oh yeah. That he is not, totally fake, and yeah. he's making up his whole story. It's totally fiction. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you know. But you know, there's also like these uh, indications there that he's he's uh, part of a of a larger deception uh, campaign. As a matter of fact, in the article we go into, you know, how he was, uh, you know, found guilty of pandering, and you know, the individual that he was working with, Tony Bullock, in this pandering case, you know, this brothel that he helped. You know, she was connected to the DEA, to uh, uh, Las Vegas Metro Police, uh, you know, just really high up, you know, law enforcement and stuff. And, you know, his what he did is, you know, he, he helped them keep their files on, you know, on on the clientele base. So it looks it starts to look like sexual entrapment. Right. It starts, it's a blackmail it op. He's running a blackmail op. Exactly in the in the in the old Roy Cohn kind of tradition, and so you know, right. so he, he's not only a liar; he seems to have some kind of institutional cover or institutional connection here. So you know, yes, he's lying, but he's he's lying for a higher agenda. For right, the higher agenda that's so important, and also Grush for people who don't know is in front of Congress, but also recently interviewed by this number one now in the alternative media, formerly. The old corporate media, Tucker Carlson, right? And right? Carlson has him on. I haven't seen the whole thing, but he then follows on after having Grush on and goes on to this invoking of the beyond. He says there's something sinister and evil happening. Right. And exactly. it just it made me think of this whole thing as just a scripted ploy. Like this is their their yeah. engineering the consciousness of the public. I mean, it's really something else. See, and I don't trust Carlson either, by the way. Absolutely. But well. Well, also, like, um, if you look at who is also pushing them as far as uh, the field of journalism, you have Leslie Kane. Kane. And Leslie Kane, we're going to go into in the next installment um, uh, to this article. And all, because Kane, most people don't know, you know, they, you know, she's played up as kind of this modest kind of uh, 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 dogged kind of reporter that's just out to get to the truth and everything but um actually she's part of one of, of of america's major political dynasties uh the kane family her her uncle is thomas kane who headed up the kane commission um that when that looked into 9 11 and you know by his own admission kane's own admission that um that whole um you know that whole commission was you know basically something of a something of a sham and all, you know, so, you know, we kind of think that she's kind of continuing with the political skullduggery that, be, that you know, that her uncle was going into and that other members of uh, that political dynasty, you know, have, have participated. Interesting. In. So that Kane you're talking about, that's the one in your article, K-E-A-N, is that right? Yeah, K-E-A-N, you know. We'll so in interestingly, I've had Ralph Blumenthal on my show. I talked to him about his book about Mac. So that was The Believer, Alien Encounters, Hard Science, and the Passion of John Mack. You can listen to that. And I've had Upton on twice. So you can go back and listen to me yeah. talking to Upton about his books and his views. on. I mean, God's totally brilliant. System yeah. of the Antichrist that I had on. And I think I had, what did I have him on? It was either Cracks in the Great Wall. But anyway, Alien Disclosure Deception. I think right. I had him on yeah. too. So. And all. Um, yeah. Really interesting background. Great, super smart guy. 
he he he's probably making you know the the best case for what is going on right now with that because there's some people saying well they're demonic apparitions there's others saying well they're nuts and bolts craft uh, you know that humans have created and they're you know and it's somewhere in between you know because um what he's pointing at what he's pointed out is that you know there are uh um deep state players that are not just spooks and not just your traditional spies and um, participants in, you know, skullduggery and espionage and all the like, but they're also, they're sorcerers. They're, they're, they're occultists. They're practitioners of witchcraft, dabblers in the occult, in the occult including uh, all the way up to, to, to Satanism. And, you know, and uh, they're, they're harnessing that. They're, some of them are actually harnessing that to help, perpetrate this uh this uh deception and all and uh, you know he's he he's he's absolutely correct in that when you look at the backgrounds people like uh john alexander or uh michael aquino or um or uh, just take your i mean like lavenda look at lavenda yeah look at uh who's the guy who wrote communion oh um, whitley streber streber wow uh, and I do the occultist, bro. The yeah. other, the other guy's um, escapes my mind right now. I can't really think of his name, but he was also with Nitsi. He was also with uh, with uh, Bigelow's whole outfit, and he was a Scientologist. And oh, um, right, yeah, uh, I forgot his name. And I, I, I can't remember. He was an operating Phaeton, I think. He was like a yes. duty, yeah, absolutely. You know, but you, you have so so. You know the. Um, He's absolutely right about this, uh, Charles Umpton. That that you know, a, a cross section of the of the deep state uh, um, players that are involved in the UFO um, deception are employing Satanism, employing occultism, employing magic to you know give an air of authenticity to the whole UFO deception and all. And um, one of the reasons that you see. Uh, this intersection between the uh, alien narrative and sorcery is because, of course, the alien narrative, it appeals to the modern uh, sensibilities of the West, in particular, the atheistic and uh, scientific materialistic uh, uh, sensibilities of the uh, West. You know, scientific materialism countenances no reality other than the physical universe. Um but nevertheless, th this uh, this paradigm makes allowances for uh, sorcery and magic uh, because we see with Sir Francis Bacon, um, who basically shaped uh, the dominant paradigm of uh, scientific materialism. We see with him, he divests the cosmos of a telos, of a purposive end towards which all things strive. And he promoted science as the gnosis by which science could, in his words, be placed in the rack. And this rather cynical attitude was uh, reiterated by Heidegger, the philosopher, who characterized nature as bestant, or a standing reserve. And so with the enshrinement of the Baconian method as the only hermeneutic by which reality could be apprehended, because uh, matter is now esteemed as the sole constituent of reality, uh, scientific materialism eventually became the order of the day, and aliens uh, became uh, kind of the new uh, the new surrogate for God, as is evidenced by the alternate creatology of directed panspermia. Uh, they they in tato represent gods. Uh, even Michael Shermer has said that they, they become something of a surrogate for uh, gods. But um, magic. And materialism, they're not diametrically opposed school of thought. Instead, they are developmental phases that run along the same continuum of thought. Magic is essentially a species of materialism. Uh, modern science and hermetic magic um, both are concerned with uh, teasing out the uh, obscured forces within the material order, forces that are uh, by and large morally neutral, that are impersonal, uh, which can be manipulated. And this all uh, comports very well with uh, Sir Francis Bacon's uh, view of the cosmos, a cosmos that is bereft 
of a telos, of a purposive end, of purposiveness. It's a completely disteleological uh, cosmos, which, by the way, was also the way that the modern Gnostics, or not the modern, the ancient Gnostics viewed the cosmos as well as this uh, accident, this cosmic abortion. And so with the rendering of matter as bestant, as a standing reserve, as a malleable material, well, all that makes the uh, scientist is uh, into is a sorcerer because that's in essence all that sorcery is is the art of uh, mastering and manipulating uh, matter and so you can see why this in this intersects so well with the uh, with the alien deception because the aliens are the new surrogates for the divine in uh, this modern age of scientific materialism. But when they're you know when they're calling up these new what's supposed to be our surrogate gods they're calling them up from a, a place that um saint paul talked about in the letter letter to the ephesians when he talked about the spirit spirits of wickedness under the heavens they're not in the heavens they're under the heavens and you know um it's like what does he mean by that you know well saint john chrysostom you know, talked about, the, you know, elaborated on St. Paul's point, you know, saying that that the Apostle Paul was talking about this, this space under the heavens and all that Satan occupies. It's not earth and it's not heaven. And in, in this space, there are all these incorporeal powers, these uh, spirits of the air and all. And that's this, this kind of like... Um, ontological intermediary plane that's between heaven and earth that you know is inhabited by these uh by these uh inferior kind of spiritual spiritual beings yeah in and, the past there's been all sorts of uh appellations that are merely un, uh, theologically uninformed euphemisms assigned to them evil spirits shapes specters ghosts goblins but these are actually incorporeal beings that uh, uh, occupy this intermediary ontological plane. And that's, that seems to be what... Uh, yeah, that's what a lot of them are tapping into. Right. And, you know, and if that's correct, if we're correct in that, and if Charles Upton is correct in that, and, and several other researchers are correct, then the implications are immense because it means that the, the deep state is uh, not the ultimate power player in the game and that the deep state is ultimately being played itself, you know, that because right. they're, they're making deals with, with creatures and that, that they have no power or no control over. They do not dictate the terms of the agreements with these things. And, you know, at some point, you know, they could, these things could turn on them and turn on the rest of us. Now, what that looks like, you know, I don't ultimately know, but I know that we we know we know that it's it's not going to it's not going to be anything good. You know, um, right, right, so, and that's Upton's whole premise is that these UFO phenomenon is, is very similar to old tales of demonic, you know, re revelation or something where they yeah. appear and they're scary and all the things overlap, all the similar instances. So that's where it gets really scary. Yeah, and you mentioned in your article too. Grush has this kind of commonality with other so-called quote disclosures unquote. Where's the evidence, right? Right, exactly. Well, okay, so when his major one of the major proponents, one of the people that vetted him, was Jeremy Carbell, and Jeremy Carbell, in our opinion, is an unwitting. He doesn't know he's being used, but he is being used as a disinformation uh, conduit. And, and, you know, we think that Grush is among the people that are pulling his strings. And he and um, that Las Vegas reporter, I can't think of the guy's name offhand, are the ones that vetted Grush and are now seated right behind him whenever he appears before, uh, before um, Congress and, or before a congressional oversight uh, panel or whatever. And... Um, you know, when when Corbell appeared on NBC, you know, talking up Grush and just, you know, just totally promoting Grush. One of the things that the re, that the reporter pointed out to Corbell that bothered the reporter is he's like every time, you know, it's time to prevent pre present the evidence. 
because you're making all these explosive claims. But every time it's time to do that, and all Russia's wanting to move to a skiff. And what a skiff is, is a sensitive um, compartmentalized information facility and all. So in other words, you go into the skiff with, you know, other with members of the panel there and you disclose whatever it is that you have to disclose. But the public isn't there. The public doesn't hear any of it. So where's where's the where's the proof? Where's the where's the evidence? And the things that he has said on the Joe Rogan show uh, in front of the panel and all um, Adam Gabak uh, really captured it, you know, perfectly when Gabbett wrote about it. He said that, you know, it was um, to paraphrase Gabbett, you know, old conspiracy tropes, you know, and otherwise old ideas and all that have been in the the UFO community for years and years. I mean, how many times have we heard about retrievals of of technologies from of crashes? How many times have we heard of retrievals of dead alien bodies, which he refers to as non-biologics, I guess, trying to sound, you know, um, novel or something and all, you know, none of this, none of this is anything that we, is, is part of anything that we haven't heard before. We've, we've heard, we've heard this, we've, we've heard this all before. And um, another person who caught on to this was, um, um, Mike Turner, you, uh, the U.S. representative, congressman from Ohio. Now, yeah. both Philip and I, both when we were... Uh, yeah. When I was working in uh, journalism in Ohio, I interviewed him several times. Yeah, you know, we, we both got a chance to meet him, both got a chance to interview him. And all, as far as his uh, foreign policy goes, he's a bit too hawkish, a bit yeah. of a neocon and all. But, you know, on other issues, Turner is... He's, He's he's really he's a wee bit more lucid concerning yeah. other things, and he's sharp when it comes to um, when it comes to this issue. And he pointed out to Brett Baer on Fox News that you know that these stories have been around since the 1960s, and all. And so he was pointing out that these are tired tropes that have been recycled over and over again. Right, really, right. really pissed off, really pissed off Grush when he said these things, and Grush is now been calling if you can believe yeah, it for, for his removal yeah. from the uh from the gang of eight which is uh, the gang of eight for those who don't know it's like these eight congressional leaders who are briefed on uh, really really sensitive classified intelligence questions and all by um by different agencies within the uh the executive branch of the government yeah he's and, actually calling for the ouster of a man for, uh, uh, right that's incredible so yeah. it's like weaponized mythologizing. Like yeah. I don't yes. have any evidence, but well, I'm going to make changes in politics if you don't believe me. Exactly, you, you deceiver. And it's crazy because Rogan has been kind of a repository for all the, for my, my opinion, flim flam men. So he's had Tom DeLong, Lazar, Grush, all. And if you I, people should just watch those back to back because it's just like you said, it's the same tropes. Where's yeah. the evidence? These guys cannot provide something. Yeah, give us something solid and all. And what's really interesting this time is that these old tired tropes are being are receiving kind of institutional cup. They're they're being carried by a guy with credentials because, like I said, he's a, a decorated Afghanistan war veteran and all. He was with the uh, National Geospatial Inte Intelligence Agency, I believe, and all. You know, he's he's got the he's got the street creds there and all. That helps, but also on on top of that, Grush has got this institutional cover that you see with his legal representation. That you know, uh, with um, so I mean, it's not just Grush; it's his legal representation that is helping to revive these tropes by extension. Because one one of the things that we go into in the article is that Grush was represented by Charles M. McAuliffe the third, and Charles M. McAuliffe the third. Is actually a senior partner at the Compass Rose Legal Group that is located in Washington. And in, if anybody that knows anything about the Compass Rose Legal Group knows that it isn't just some Washington-based national security law firm. It is a repository for spooks. It's it's it, that's what we refer to it as. Describe it as in the article is a repository for people involved in intelligence, involved in covert politics. If you look at the founding manager 
the founder and the managing partner of Compass Rose uh, Legal Group. It's a guy named Andrew Bakash, and he's a former intelligence uh, officer in the uh, Central Intelligence Agency. And um, yet then you look at um, who now Bakash had gotten caught up in uh, this this uh, controversy um, in in the CIA because he supposedly had brought forward you know several revelations by people that were complaining to him about um, about um, I, I believe it was problems with the Inspector General in the CIA uh, some problems with the Inspector General's office and. Um, and all of this led to Bakaj leaving the agency in 2014. And all, uh, but if you look at who represented him on that case, it's a man by the name of Mark Zaid. And Mark Zaid is now part of the Compass Rose Legal Group. And uh, Mark Zaid has um, just, he, he has... Very colorful history, a very colorful... Yeah. DC connected history, yeah. Yeah, DC connected history. He seems to have uh, screwed over several real, very real whistleblowers in the past. Among them, John Kariaku, the former CIA analyst, who had basically given uh, the public confirmation of uh, of waterboarding being used in in the torture and interrogation of terror suspects. He screwed him over. He uh, he screwed over Jeffrey Alexander uh, Sterling, who um, supposedly was um, was James Risen's uh, source in uh, the 2000 book State of War, who, um, you know, basically gave him the details, allegedly gave him the details of Operation Merlin, you know, and, and led to these two people who are very real, legitimate whistleblowers being incarcerated for a time. And all. meanwhile, he um, he represents, you know, questionable people, um, you know, um, like like Bakaj, because Bakaj, if you look, we go into his case a little bit in the article and all. If you look at Bakaj's case, it could be a, a case of of real retaliation being taken against the general. I mean, against a genuine whistleblower, Bakaj could have been a genuine, genuine whistleblower. But there's also indications that uh, Bakaj had just um, had just been part of this internecine kind of uh, fighting, infighting, factionalism that characterizes the CIA, and you know that's what led to his uh, what led to his departure and all. But um, you know, you also look at uh, Zaid. Zaid's made some whacked out comments before on on his uh, on I believe his Twitter. He talked about getting. Uh, uh, security clearances for guys with uh, quote unquote child porn problems, and all he's, um, you know, he was he taught he he played a role, if if I recall correctly, in the uh, first impeachment of of Donald Trump, and all uh, talking about how you know a quote unquote coup has begun and everything. So, you know, the, the this Compass Rose legal. Uh, firm is 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 you know it's not just your regular kind of uh, legal group and you know involved in uh, in a kind of pedestrian litigation. They seem to be a a kind of uh, legal what we refer to in the article of, uh, as as um, a legal appendage of the uh, of the American deep state. Right, Zaid has like heavy duty. Uh, access. He's worked with the CIA. This guy's full intel, and he's he's like you wrote in your uh, article that he is the one overseeing like CIA affiliated books that are trying to be published or right uh, possibly privileged uh, private yeah, basically he, he, put them in limbo so they yeah, never get published. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he he. You know, like um the 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 pre publication review process by the CIA. You know, he and um uh, um. Uh, John Kariaku has pointed out that he handles a lot of uh, a lot of issues that are considered to be insider issues, like security clearances and all, or like if somebody's disgruntled, he smooths them out. He, you know, he gets their feathers unruffled, that sort of thing. So, you know, clearly he's a he's an inside man, and this is the exact same 
you know, this this guy is part of the exact same law firm that's now uh, representing representing Grush. Right. So, well, here's yeah. another question: Why does Grush need representation? If he's just an innocent kind of uh, whistleblower or trying to expose things, why does he just come out by himself? Why does he need high power, high powered insider DC lawyers like Bakaj and Zaid to represent him? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, especially when it's on those subjects. I mean. I, uh, it's very curious, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And all, um, it normally, if a person is a is a real whistleblower, you see them taking uh, heat from the establishment, right? And right. here, here you actually see the establishment kind of coming out, you know, and and um, giving full support to this guy, and all. There's no indication that Grush. Is have is um, the target of a defamation campaign and all, or that there's any kind of threat to his physical safety? There's nothing of the sort. Instead, you see these um, these heavy you you see UFO celebrities, and then you see these DC heavy hitters getting behind the guy and all. So that's a big that's a big red light there and all. It seems to suggest that it he that he's. Um, a deep state operative that is masquerading as a as a um, as as a whistleblower, and something that we bring up in the article is in the article is that um, during his dur during his opening statements before that before that UFO panel and all, he had what we refer to as a moment of para of parapraxis. A, a moment where where he um, he actually a, a Freudian slip, if you were, will, where he um, where he uh, misspoke regarding his resume, and the 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 slip up makes it makes it sound like he's still in the employ of the government and all. So I I mean like because he had. Um, he had said that he had that that he was still with the that he was with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency um, from a certain date to twenty to twenty twenty five, and then he and then he um, backtracks and says, "I'm sorry, twenty twenty three And it's like, "Wait a minute, did you just did you just you know did this did this constitute a, a unintentional admission of?" <laughs> You be still being in their employ, and yeah, you know, um, yeah, because he had said that he had been with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency from 2021 to 2025. That's what he said, and then he immediately pulls back and corrects himself and says, "No, actually, I was with the NGA until nine until 2023." So it looks like he's no longer there, and you know, of course, they're. There's the mundane explanation. Yeah, he could have that just he, he simply been a gaffe. He he misspoke and all, but then there's this possibility that you know it was again a moment of parapraxis, and that he's still you know serving people in the world of intelligence, and that he is um, um, what Walter Bosley has referred to as a I believe a, a an operational contractor. And all because Bosley looked at this um, this film, as did many other skeptics, looked at this little piece, this excerpt, and that was his interpretation of what he saw there. And all, and that's certainly our interpretation. It seems that that you know he 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 accidentally let the cat out of the bag, and that he is still to and to some degree, to some extent, still connected. To the very government that he supposedly has left, so that he can now speak the quote-unquote truth. Right, right. No, it's it's amazing. So this is just another kind of like semi-sophisticated propaganda operation to facilitate and continue the whole UFO deception. I mean, he's just another operative. It's really, I mean, that's my opinion. That's that's my uh, impression. Absolutely. But this, yeah, and you talk about like. There's always been sketchy things involved with these UFO operations and things like that didn't work out. I think it was I did the book Spies, you know, Spooks and Kooks or whatever, where like these guys are tampering with people. They don't have a problem getting in their brains. There's like you talk about in the article about blackmail 
Like they, there's, there's been yeah, like, there's compromised operations, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's always been this overlap. There's always been this overlap uh, between uh, sexual entrapment and blackmail and UFO deception. If you, I mean, and, and the reason that comes up in the article is because of Mark Zaid. Mark Zaid saying that you know that he um, you know had got had gotten uh, security clearances for guys with child porn issues. Well, why would you want somebody that has those issues in in a position uh, uh, where they hold a security clearance and all? Um, because from a counterintelligence perspective, that's very dangerous. That person is now in a sensitive position. They can now be blackmailed and they can, you know, uh, by, by whoever, a non-state player, a rogue state, you know, people within the, the very same government in the deep state and all. And now they can be used to pass information, to be given, infor- you know, to, to, um, to give information out that's supposed to, that's supposed to remain classified. They can be used to engage in other criminal activities and all. And, you know, and here Mark Zaid is wanting to represent those kind of people at a time when the Pentagon is having a major problem related to child porn and all, because there was this operation called Operation Flickr, where countless, I mean, lots and lots of Pentagon servers were being looked into because of 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 child pornography being on them, and you know it I was, think that's why that it's been allowed on almost almost every social media site up until recently. I think Twitter was rife with child porn. They're identifying people who like child porn so they can blackmail them. So it's not even just in the UFO environment. I think they're just doing it all over the country. That's yeah. why Zuckerberg knows all this stuff. It's yeah, unbelievable. But- but when you're talking about when you're talking about you know the Pentagon, it's a real real problem because you're talking about na- there are national security implications right. to that kind. Right. I mean, but there was a 2019 investigation that was held by the Defense Criminal Investigation Services, the DCA, uh, the DCIS, and they found that just hundreds of these individuals that were in the DOD or affiliated with the DOD were also um, were also uh, suspects in cases that involved this kind of, of pornography. And, you know, um, uh, so, you know, here you have this kind of individual kind of connected to the Grush case. And so it begs the question, you know, well, is, um, is, is somehow um, sexual entrapment and blackmail you know, involved in this recent spate of UFO deceptions and all, um, because the DOD, because, okay, so the Pentagon, you know, the headquarters of the DOD is right now the epicenter of two different phenomena that we look at in the book is the epicenter of, you know, of pedophilia and of highly dubious UFO disclosures. So it, it leads to that question, you know, are, are compromised individuals playing a role in, this, this re, in these more recent UFO deception efforts? And, all. and, you know, to support that, we brought up some cases. We brought up the fact that Fred Chrisman, who was an individual with a, with a background in, uh, in, a, a background in um, an intelligence leading back to World War II, you know, and the, what many people consider to be the architect, he's considered to be the architect of the Murray Island hoax, the Murray Island UFO hoax. You had him uh, allegedly um, blackmailing Harold Dahl, the other, um, you know, patrolman there on, um, at, at Murray Island, you know, to, to participate in this whole uh, Murray Island UFO hoax. And, um, you know, um, Harold Dahl's uh, wife, you know, was was convinced that, you know, that Chrisman had, um, you know, um, had uh, basically got his hooks in uh, to Harold Dahl and was able to manipulate him through uh, through blackmail. And And, and Chrisman, again, he's not just some fringy character. You know, he went going back to World War Two. He had these these. Um, his his service in in the war 
is suggestive of intelligence and all. His name comes up in uh, Jim Garrison's investigation into the uh, into the JFK assassination. So you know, um, so it it makes it look like you know this he might have been uh, if he was using blackmail if he was employing blackmail against Harold Dahl, you know that he might have been using it. Uh, he might have been employing blackmail to perpetrate this UFO hoax on the part of covert political circles. Wow, that's amazing. The other thing I'd like to add, sorry to interrupt, but also Guy Bannister, right? So-called handler of Oswald in New Orleans has a UFO connection. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, he passed away in 64, very fortunate. But the first guy he calls when he gets subpoenaed by Garrison is Chrisman. Get out. So they're both involved. And yeah. Bannister's known Freemason, known kind of, so there's an occult tie there for sure. Absolutely. Uh, it's off the chart. So the UFO stri- okay, high strangeness is I, not I, just Grush, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, Guy Bannister was the uh, was the private investigator. Who I'm referring to is Clay Shaw. When Clay Shaw was first uh, was uh, first subpoenaed by, uh, by Jim Garrison, um, it, it, the first person that Shaw supposedly called was Chrisman. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely, you're right. Though about Bannister, guy, guy Bannister supposedly, you know, was was the holder and watched over the uh, the so the what what you know what basically the X Files were based on. You know, the the cases, the FBI files that in, involved the supernatural, involved the strange, involved UFOs and everything. But but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's all entangled and all. And and again, like the even more compelling case that we brought, you know, of this nexus between blackmail and uh, UFO deception was Robert Lazar. And like, you know, most people, they, they're so transfixed on his quote unquote revelations about what he saw at air at S4 and what he learned about area 51 and about the supposed aliens. They're so transfixed on all that stuff that they don't realize that in 1990, he would he pled guilty to a felony charge of pandering in a district court and he and you know um he he had as his cohort in this um in this whole uh pandering case he, he had um this prostitute named Tony Bullock and um and Tony Bullock was connected uh, to um to Las Vegas Metro Vice she was having an affair with somebody there, uh, 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 allegedly. She was uh, supposedly an informant for the FBI, for the, D- uh, the DEA. Not some, um, uh, not some low-level, you know, just uh, hooker on the street. So that this is this person had some connections, but Lazar, in that case, the police found out that uh, through their investigation that Lazar had actually videotaped customers, uh, you know, that were going into Bullock's brothel and that he had kept all these records of, of, of all their license plates and all. Well, you know, what reason would you have to do that outside of, you know, entrapment and, and blackmail and all? So, yeah, you know, so th- those were two cases, you know, the the right. Harold Dahl case and the case of Robert Lazar that we used to to, you know, to support this idea that there might be a nexus between, you know, this, this current, uh, this, this current UFO deception and, and, you know, blackmail and everything. And, and whether or not that's true, we'll wait and see, but, you know, a lot more is going to come out over time, uh, probably about Grush and about the other individuals that have been involved in this recent, uh, this recent uh, uh, um, installment of disclosure, pseudo disclosure, deceptive disclosure, whatever. I mean, I don't know. No proof. No No. proof. Just, I saw it. Lazar, I was there. I saw it. Same thing. These guys are struggling to find proof. But the other thing I was talking about, saucer spooks and kooks. I talked to Adam go rightly, but that whole story just rife with Intel and deception. Mirage men is another good one. Just yeah. all the disinformation around this, like yeah. But you know, know, like you said, Lazar is a total charlatan. But I just want to reiterate, he's a charlatan with this institutional cover there, and right. all, you know, because if you look, I mean, like the and a tie to this recent, you know, the 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 Grush case, because you know, who was it that supposedly vetted 
uh, David Grush and all uh, the UFO celebrity Jeremy Corbell. Well, Jeremy Corbell is just absolutely uh, enamored with uh, Lazar. Uh, he made a movie about Lazar called Baba Lazar, Area 51, Flying Saucers. Had Mickey Rourke doing the uh, doing the narration on that one, and all you know. And um, and uh, so you know here right. here's this, this is Corbell right here, right? That's him. Yeah, yeah. And and um, you know both Corbell and George Knapp from Las Vegas. That's him. Yeah, the Corbell the, and and George Knapp from Las Vegas. You know, both have these ties to Lazar. I mean, Knapp has been talking Lazar for years now, and just promoting Lazar off the hook and everything. And you know, and and um, Knapp in particular. Well, well, actually, Knapp and Corbell are both tied to Bigelow's whole outfit, uh, right, the Skinwalker thing, right? Exactly, because because Corbell did a documentary about Skinwalker, and then. Um, George Knapp, had, you know, had been to Skinwalker, reported on them, has constantly done, you know, re reports involving um, Bigelow or Nitsi staff. And Nitsi, that, you know, um, that whole outfit was just rife with guys that were, you know, involved in intelligence, including uh, John B. Alexander, Harold Putoff, you know, these, right. these individuals that were, you know, had been in involved in um in in different uh intelligence agencies and also and i think putoff was the was the scientologist the clear yeah, scientologist. that's correct he's the one i couldn't recall earlier and all right. but yeah and you know he's he's still he's still out there playing this game yeah. right now because he was with uh he was with uh tom delong's whole uh to the stars uh academy and okay all. that's we, it yeah so. Which, which again is another one that if you look into, has all these guys tied to intelligence. Christopher Millen, probably you know front and center among those. Louis Elizondo, you know all these guys that have been in the military or in intelligence in some capacity. Right, and Mel Mellon is kind of like the East Coast blue blood, uh, you know, with money in his background, probably. Oh, absolutely. Engineering it like, and that and that's an interesting thing because it that's another part of the UFO phenomenon or myth making is these very rich guys involved in financing a lot of the stuff because lawrence rockefeller's around uh so a lot of these people like well, well you talked about um earlier blumenthal and what blumenthal had reported on um on john mack john mack got financing from uh from lawrence rockefeller yes yeah. yeah there's actually a picture in blumenthal's book of mack and streber and Lawrence Rockefeller all sitting next to each other. I'm just like, this is blowing my mind. This is so crazy. Right. The Rockefellers are like a an arm of the Rockefellers are involved in all of this UFO stuff. Is just yeah. crazy, but it's there. Oh yeah, it's absolutely yeah, it's there. And all Rockefeller, <laughs> Lawrence, they tried to play as kind of the outsider, but I, I there's no indication to me from any of the uh, sources that I've read that he was treated like some kind of Frenchy outsider by the rest of the Rockefeller dynasty. And all, which you know leads to the question of was he just following, you know, the the agenda of the Rockefeller dynasty, just taking a different tact? You I know? think so. I think he was just a different arm. He's more of the culture creation arm. Somebody oh, yeah. else is involved in the finance. Nelson's political, and he was the one supporting these kind of French things. He's all over Esalen, all these places. It's he, he, there are tendrils of Lawrence Rockefeller in very curious places. Oh, absolutely. 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 That's a whole nother article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, the Mac, the we, Mac we, Lawrence we, Rockefeller, Whitley Strieber, who's a huge influence on the, on the UFO phenomenon. I mean, that, that uh, book that he wrote, what was it? Uh, gosh, I can't remember now, but, but the gray aliens, he's promoting the whole gray alien mythos of the UFOs. I mean, also heavy occultists, uh, like his numerology, oh, read yeah. his books. Communion? He's got all the numerology down, all the occult or numerology, 11, 93, 77. It's all over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you're referring to communion, right? Yeah, communion, sir. I yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he goes into a lot of mysticism in there. And, like, you thought you were when, – when initially when you crack the pages of communion, you think that you're going to get, you know, the traditional kind of UFO fare – 
but that book it's it, it reads more like you know some kind of uh you know kind religious of, experience yeah ex yeah right. like a religious experience you know um, or or like somebody uh, uh chronicling their experimentation into occultism right and the communion even that word is kind of like stealing it from the religious tradition the western religious tradition like hey this is a religious experience guys you're so there it goes it goes back to your theme you spoke about earlier the transposition from you know the original kind of uh christian worldview and now the aliens are the new gods right that's right absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah yeah um, my cat is bothering me we're at 55 <laughs> minutes uh is there anything that you would like to add? I mean, a great talk. It's always great to talk with you. Yeah. Guys. Congrats on the article. You yeah. said that you have something in the works in the near future, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, um, I, I would like to encourage people to go and read the article because we can only list, like, scratch the surface of what appears in that article. I mean, like, we we, we also tie in, like uh, like I said, the first impeachment of, uh, of Donald Trump and how Compass Rose legal firm was involved in there. In, in that and um, how how the same MO appears that, that we see with Grush appears with uh, Compass Rose legal terms of the so-called uh, um, whistleblower Eric Ciaramella in that first uh, in that first uh, Trump impeachment uh, uh, case you know and uh, we 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 uh, we, you know, we just go into a, to a whole lot more that you, you know, that you can only scrape the surface of. And also I want to encourage people to go and read the article, read the article, but yes, we, we're planning there. We got the notes set aside and we're going to start working on part two of this article where we will go into, you know, a bit of the resume of Leslie Kane. She's not what she appears to be. She's, she's not just some dogged reporter that, you know, heroic, investigative reporter trying to get to the center of the onion you know she's part of a very very well established political dynasty here within the united states and all we're going to get into her we're going to get into Louis elizondo and all because not only has she helped catapult grush to the public stage with with her um writings um with with, with her recent article over grush and all she also helped uh, bring you know Louis Elizondo into the public eye and Lou Elizondo isn't what people think he is either first of all he's a he's a defense contractor most people don't know that he has contracts so he has you know a vested interest in pushing a uh, UFO uh, threat narrative and all but also if you look into his father's background into his father's involvement in the Bay of Pigs into his father's involvement in that whole intelligence arrangement that um, that involved uh, that involved E Howard Hunt there seems to be a lot more going on below the surface than just, you know, some concerned citizen that wants to bring to his fellow citizens the truth, quote unquote, the truth of, of, of um, you know, the of the UFO phenomenon. Wow. So we'll hopefully, hopefully, we are, hopefully before the end of the year, we'll have that second, that second installment out. Cool. Well, I look forward to reading that. And where's the best place people can find your books? Uh, they can find uh, both the ascendancy of the scientific dictatorship and invoking the beyond on Amazon.com. Uh, when it comes to uh, the ascendancy of the scientific dictatorship, they want the 2006 book surge edition. That's the updated, revised, expanded edition, um, which is uh, far larger and far better than the uh, 2003 edition. Um, they can also uh, find Invoking the Beyond in the uh, uh, catalog section of the iUniverse uh, website. Gotcha. And where's the best place if people have additional questions? Where can they reach out to you? Uh, they can look me up on uh, Twitter, uh, uh, Philip Collins. I'm on Twitter. They can also just uh, contact us at the Collins Bros, T H E C O L L I N S B R O S at uh, yahoo.com, the Collins Bros at yahoo.com. Gotcha. And that's your email. And again, we discussed this great article, Deception Through Disclosure Part One Decoding the Crush Enigma, which can be found on the CanadianPatriot.org. So I'll put a link to that. But this is very important. This is happening in real time. Like, it's incredible what they're doing. Like, this guy just appeared six months ago, right? Yeah, like, I know. It's not it's even getting, that old. 
it's yeah. getting hard to keep up, and that's why we try to yeah. we're trying to write it and get it out there as quickly as we can. Because before you know, it, they'll they'll have another quote unquote revelation. You know, yeah. with tomorrow. You know, it's with- incredible. Your books are totally prescient. I mean, they're they anticipated these kind of things, and this is a this to me, Grush is like the front of a very a much more connected group like he's not just an individual or four guys it's some kind of broader larger agenda and to get these ideas out there absolutely see carlson Uh, 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 springboard those or bullhorn those is really incredible to me like Uh, that is they're going right for the heart of the culture yeah oh i will leave it with this i'll leave it with this there is a positive implication to this kind to this uh to this deception and all what it seems to indicate is that the oligarchs are are running out of threat narratives that work. And, you know, a lot of the narratives, whether it be climate change or those bad Russians or those bad Chinese, all of those narratives are really running out of gas. So now they have to turn to this completely far-fetched, really (laughs) fantastical fantastical narrative they're having to resort to that. So their trick bag is almost empty. I think you're right. That's a great way to end it. Thanks so much for your time again. It's Paul and Philip Collins. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks Merry again. Christmas. Yeah, Merry happy Christmas. holidays to you too Merry as well. Yeah. Stay there. Stay there. Merry Christmas. <laughs>